you know, we can say we want our people to follow us. We want our people to get behind us or support us. You know, it's tough. It's tough for people to get behind us if we're not even in front of them. Hey, welcome to the Excellent Pastor Podcast. My name is Jason, and today we're going to be talking about the dangers of leading from the middle. I had a, a chance recently to sit down with with one of my really great friends, Pastor Micah Pelkey. He pastors Storyside Church in Belleville, Ohio. Just an amazing church. Uh, just amazing what God's doing. Really kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, thousands of people show up, three different campuses. It's just been an amazing, amazing journey. But about five years ago, I was lucky enough for God to kind of intersect my path with Pastor Micah. And, and as we started getting to know each other a little better, one of the things that, that Pastor Micah always was challenging me on was this idea of familiarity. Uh, that was the phrase he always used was familiarity. But really what he was talking about was leading from the middle. And when he would come preach for me or he would come down to my church and he would give me feedback, he was always challenging me to act like the pastor, lead like the pastor, be the pastor that my congregation needed. And I, you know, I started as a young pastor and, uh, and so I was always kind of felt like my greatest asset was my ability to um, be one of the people, one of the guys, not like, a, you know, quote unquote, one of those pastors that, you know, was disconnected or out of touch or, or whatever it is. And he just always challenged me like, that's not what your church needs. Your church needs a visionary, a leader, someone to lead the church somewhere. So stop leading from the middle. Just always challenge me. And like most, I, I always push back and. Um, but, but it took me a little while to come around cause I'm stubborn, but I've seen over the years in my own life and watching pastor Micah, the power uh, of leadership and the momentum that happens in a church when a leader decides to come out from the middle and to really lead like, and act like the pastor that God's called them to be. So really excited about this conversation and, and you getting to hear from, from him, uh, the dangers of leading from the middle and some ideas for how you can um, you can begin to to lead stronger. Our podcast today is sponsored by faithteams.com. Faithteams is a web-based church management software system that's got all the features that you've come to expect that your church needs in a database management system. But what's great about Faithteams is it's priced. It really is priced uh, at a level that any church can afford it. Um, it's it's perfect for small, mid-sized churches. I've talked to Brian and the team over there. They give me a chance to look through the, the software, and it really is great. It's got all the stuff you'd expect, attendance tracking, kids check-in, volunteer scheduling, uh, guest follow-up that's automated, giving, text to give, email, all, all that stuff that, that you're looking for. And uh, it's all in one system at a price that makes sense. So they do have a 14-day free trial. You can try out the whole thing before you pay anything. Just go to faithteams.com or click the link in, in the description of this podcast. And make sure you mention Excellent Pastor when you're signing up for that free trial so they'll know that, uh, that we sent you. Again, that's faithteams.com. Let's get to the podcast. I, I feel like you can pick up on dishonor, common familiarity. I feel like you can pick up on those things quick. Like it's almost like you see them a mile away. And maybe it is because of the journey I took. You know, when you know, when you're younger, it's almost like you want I don't want to say cool Christianity or cool team or cool whatever, but 
there's something to that. Like you want to fit in, you know, no one goes around wanting to have the courageous conversations, the tough conversations. So, so you want that. But then I think as, as you really begin to lead, it's tough to always lead when you're amongst or among. You know, I remember Bishop Jake saying years ago that Moses is going to have to navigate three areas of leadership. And the first is he walked among the people. And then the Bible says he walked ahead of the people. And then at times he went up into the mountain and he was above the people. And I think the, that a lot of the time in my ministry, I was always among the people spent very little time ahead of the people right. or above the people. And, you know, immediately people, you know, they can start thinking, is this pride you're talking about? Is this arrogance you're talking about? And I think we all know, you know, even the abominations, one of the thing God, one of the things God detests is a proud look. And so I'm not talking about that. I just think it's tough to lead if you're always amongst the people. So yeah, the kickback that I get when I talk about this, write about this, the kickback you get is, oh, well, that's an older style of leadership. It's yep. plastic. It's can't see behind the curtain. You know, I want to be among the people. I want, you know, to be vul- completely vulnerable and authentic. And and so so I started pastoring when I was 24. You know, I've shared my story a lot on here, but I started pastoring when I was 24. I thought the greatest thing somebody could say about me is, oh, man, you're just one of the guys. You're so down to earth. You're just like me. And then what I realized was a couple of years later when I needed to then start acting like the spiritual leader, yep. I needed to start acting like the pastor. I needed to play the pastor card. All the people who love the fact that I was leading from the middle, that I was just good old Jay, my buddy Jay, love Jason. He's he's not like those other pastors. He's really like like us. Yep. The moment I tried to then say, Hey guys, this is the vision God's given me, or I think this is where we need to go. Or, you know, as the pastor, I think those were the people who were the least receptive to my spiritual leadership because I gave them whiplash. I was like, Hey, I'm like you. I'm like you. I'm like you. Oh, Hey, by the way, I'm not like you. And they're like, what? And so I think that's the biggest thing I've learned through this process is so many pastors say, I wish my congregation would honor me. I wish my congregation would follow me. I wish they would get behind the vision, but so many times we're not leading like the type of leader that people want to follow. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, we can say we want our people to follow us. We want our people to get behind us or support us. You know, it's tough. It's tough for people to get behind us if we're not even in front of them. Right. You know, I think that that's just the key. And, you know, my pastor, I love my pastor. Uh, I feel like he's a real pastor to me, to my family. You know, he's not just a token pastor. It's it's not someone that, you know, can get me a place to preach. I feel like he pastors Angel and I and my four kids. And I don't want him to be my best buddy. I'm not looking for another friend. Uh, so we'll have some amazing moments together, but I want him to be Pastor Kevin. I want him to challenge me. I want him to correct me. I want him to speak into my life. And, you know, when I hear people say those things, you talk about Jay, and, and I did pick up on it the, f- the first time or two I went to your church. And I'll go to churches and I'll hear those things where it's almost like buddy, pal kind of thing. You know, I just don't think Jay is the guy that gets into the ICU, you yeah. know, when no one else, you know, sometimes they won't even let family and friends in. It's, you know, I, I went and prayed for a guy. He had been beat up. They had beat his head with a brick and it, it was very traumatic. He's in ICU. When I walked in, there's you know, not to be morbid and stuff, but there's blood on the pillow. And I'm walking in and I'm praying for him. Micah M, 
You know, that that's not who got in there in that moment. It was Pastor Micah. And again, it's not an arrogant thing. Uh, but whether or not it's those crucial conversations in our life that get us back on course, whether or not it's that hospital, prison, jail, even the people around me, I don't want my kids, you know, I have three girls and, and a little boy. I don't want my kids to look at him as Kev. He's not Kev to us. Uh, he's our pastor. We're following him. He's speaking into our lives. And so I just think it's important, you know, not not just the pastor role, but I see it as much with teams uh, and, and staff that I think where honor uh, is high, I think where unity is high, I think that's the commanded blessing, whether it's Psalm 133 or Acts 2. You know, even when Jesus said, we're two or three, are gathered together in my name. So the gathered together is unity in my name reminds us it's not about Micah. It's not about Jason. It's, you know, we're not trying to build our kingdom, but I think he reminds us where unity is high, where honor's high. I'm going to show up uh, and I'm going to do great things there. Zooming in like way in, like down in the weeds, some things that you have said to me over the years, I've passed on to my team some little things. And I know, you know, I, 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 when we say this, I can see some young leaders driving in their car, kind of rolling their eyes, or uh, I get emails when we write about this, but some little things. So like the way that people address you, yep. you know, you, we just mentioned it, but you showed up several years ago and you said to me like, Hey, you're not Jay. You're not Jay bird. You're not Jason. You're pastor Jason. And I know yep. my initial reaction to that was like, I don't care. And I know that you don't necessarily care or most pastors don't care, but something about the way that people view you, the what they call you is the way that they view you. You, you mentioned my appearance. He said, hey, you want to be the pastor, but like your clothes aren't ironed. You're wearing flip-flops. Yep. Uh, you know, and I thought like, oh, it's so cool. Like I'm so casual. It's Toenails like, not cut. <laughs> You're I like, I, one, I can go a half trick. size either way. <laughs> Trim my toenails. My but, shoe size gets smaller. You know, what people call me. Yep my appearance, yep. the way that I carry myself and my, and I act, I mean, I, I, I shake my head kind of embarrassment when I think back to some of my early years of leadership of, you know, I mean, this sounds embarrassing and silly, but like even like passing gas in a car on the way to a conference, like pastor Jason doesn't do that. Jason does that. Or uh, telling a joke that's like mildly inappropriate. It's not yep. crazy inappropriate, but it's just a little bit inappropriate. Jason does that. Pastor Jason doesn't do that. And the moment then that God needs me or the moment I try to step up and then say, hey, everybody, Pastor Jason needs to tell you something. Yep. All they can hear is the guy who told the joke, the guy who passed gas, the guy who always wears flip flops, the guy whose shirts never wrinkle or always wrinkled. You know, they they I, it's really a disservice to them, to my team, to my congregation. Yep. Well, I think that familiarity will give you and I permission to do things that honor never would. Uh, so whether it's it's them honoring each other, you know, whether it's us honoring our team, our team honoring us, you know, I love when Pastor Kevin will say honor up, down, and all around. You know, so honor is a big picture thing. But when you look at familiarity and, and so many things that you're talking about, it could remind me, you know, of things over the years that initially I wish someone would have told me you know, the dangers of, of becoming common or familiar when I was 25 or 30, because some of the jokes you tell, some of the movies you watch, um, some of the touches, some of the insinuations, you know, we talk about those names, Jay Bird and stuff. 
if, if we're honest with ourselves, familiarity will give you permission to do things honor never would. And so think familiarity, think family, um, because there's just certain things you can do around your family that you necessarily probably wouldn't do in different settings of life. And so I, I think, I think familiarity in, in maybe this can help someone listening today. Familiarity loves to let the guard down. Familiarity loves to let the guard down. So initially you're like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, we're connecting, we're getting to know each other. You know, they're seeing the real me and you let the guard down. And again, I'm okay with some, some of it. You know, I, I think that's why you see all three leadership styles of, of Moses, but you just have to be really careful that familiarity doesn't minimize the valued voices in your life. So if people that speak into your life become familiar, I think you minimize those voices and in return, your voice is minimized. I think a great example of that is like, uh, and I share this with our congregation, but if I was to say to someone, hey, um, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, yep. is going to be here in 10 minutes and he wants to share with you how to be successful in life. Because you value him, you'd get your notes out, you'd lean in, You're you'd say, in, yep. hey, this guy has something to tell me. Or if I said Warren Buffett's going to be here, he's going to give us financial advice. Because you see value in Warren Buffett's opinion, yep. you'll get value out of it. But if I, as a leader, don't carry myself in a way or I don't view someone in a way like they have value, I will get no value. So then I stand up to preach and nobody treats me like Dwayne Johnson. First of all, I don't look like Dwayne Johnson. but Close. <laughs> close. Yeah, getting there. But no one treats me that way. And, and really how, you know, Jesus said, the more you listen, the more understanding will be given. Uh, the more you honor. I was reading the other day in Matthew 13 about, you know, Jesus's hometown. And they yep. said, we know him. That's Mary's boy. We know him. And the Bible says he could do very few miracles there because of their lack of belief. Just even the idea that Jesus was limited yep. because of the way people viewed him. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting you said that because just this morning uh, I was actually reading and I had read it different book, but John 7 where it said that even his own brothers, you know, did not believe in him. And it's not just Jesus. I think if you look at scripture, you see giant killer David, but then you also just look at some of the details of the story and Eliab, you know, his brother, his anger's kindled, you know, he diminishes David's success. Where's the few sheep? It's not just sheep. He's going to minimize a few sheep and he's going to question David's motives. Because once you get familiar with Eliab, once you get familiar with those people in your life, uh, it's it's just not it's not something that either side no no side is going to benefit from looking at each other as common. Well, it said yeah in that Matthew thirteen it said they were deeply offended. Yep. And in the eleven years I've been pastoring my church, how long have you been pastoring Storyside? Uh, be seventeen years coming. So you're seventeen. We could tell stories the people who get offended the most are the ones that we brought into the familiar circle. Yep. The, the people who honor the leader aren't near as offended as often as the people who, who does he think he is? How could he say that? How could he ask me to do that? You know, he's not any different than us. Why does he think he's better than us? And again, we keep giving this disclaimer, but I'm coming back to the fact that like, you know, I'm a fourth generation preacher's kid. I, can't, I grew up in... We're not talking about necessarily, you know, 
having a driver, having a, somebody carry your Bible, having a private garage, having a, whatever thing you think is, you know, walking into service late, leaving early. We're, those things are fine in different, you know, uh, environments and contexts. We're not saying be completely detached from everybody, fly in on Saturday, fly out on Monday. We're saying that the more you lead from the middle, the harder it is to take the people somewhere. Yep. Um, well, and I think familiarity, you know, if we're not careful, I think familiar, because it's a two-way street. You know, I don't want to become familiar with, with my staff. You know, we, we have times of, of fun and, you know, we just did, you know, whatever, some kind of Ninja Warrior course thing. We, we've done Top Golf, and, you know, I, I just think you got to be careful you don't cross the line. You know, I, I remember, you know, when, when people used to tell me, you know, our our church or our staff is one of the most fun places to work. And, you know, I didn't even realize those places were ranked. But, like, you can be ranked if your place is the most fun place to work. And I remember being part of those conversations where, you know, everyone knows everyone and everyone's confessing everything. And, you know, everyone has the greatest and it's so much fun. And I don't know that it was a handful of years later. And it's like basically all the key leadership is leaving, all the key staff is leaving. You know, there's all kinds of transition going on. And and I'm not pointing back to, I'm not pointing back and saying that was part of it. I'm just saying that I think we have to be careful that in the moment, it doesn't seem so fun, so awesome. You don't get it, Micah. It's amazing. And then all of a sudden we wake up one, one day and we realize that we crossed the line whether it was the confession, the the joke, the insinuations, the like we crossed the line and and we have now paid the price. We have now paid the price for for creating a culture that that was not wise from the start. Okay, so let's try to get practical and help yep. some leaders out there. I know you've got a staff of 25, 26, a lot of young leaders. You got a bunch of interns, college, high school. So you're constantly teaching, training, pouring into young leaders. What are some what are some practical ways or warnings to be to be on the lookout for familiarity in our leadership that's going to come back to bite us later? So you know, I think for me, I would just start by saying like, what's some of the warning signs in your in your words? I think what's tough, even in my own life, looking back, is there's not a lot of warning signs because I think that initially familiarity is almost unrecognizable. And what I mean by that is when I say familiarity can be fun, look, look at, look at a family feel. Uh, when, when, like you could be listening today and even tell me right now, like pastor Micah, it's relational. Aren't we supposed to be relational? Yes. You know, we preach that, teach that, tell that, uh, we're connected. You know, aren't, aren't we supposed to be connected? Like we're close, we're better together. Hashtag better together. Like, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yes, yes, and yes again. You know, I, all of those things. And so familiarity is often unrecognizable until you begin to realize like commonality, how you treat people as casual, even complacent. Um, and, and, and so it, it's almost like it's a gradual process. I think there's steps to it. And so... You know, when when you look at our lives and you see those things, I, I think that some fair questions to ask ourselves, 
when we talk about the wonder, when we talk about familiarity, when we talk about common, like, do I still get excited about the Bible? You know, am I just studying to preach or like, do I really get excited when I pick that thing up? Do I, do I love to have opportunities to, to listen to worship or, you know, has, you know, we have some great worship leaders and worship pastors, but you know, have I lost that? Have I, have I lost my love to lean in to them leading me in worship and they write songs and, you know, is, is their voice diminishing? You know, you have to value the voice. And so, you know, I, I think just asking yourself those questions, whether it's myself to our staff, whether it's our staff to me, whether it's myself to Pastor Kevin, just constantly guarding against losing the value on those voices. And so I, I would just encourage really anyone listening today, be honest with yourself uh, and don't don't think that the win is always getting close. Like if I could just get close to Pastor Kevin, if I could just get close to this person, if I could just get close, I, I think I think sometimes that it's not a bad thing to keep a healthy distance. And I know that's not normal nowadays. Um, you know, we know everything about everybody, you know, social media, and you can Google in 10 minutes, I feel like you know everything about everyone. And just keeping some healthy barriers and boundaries in your life to say, I want a pastor, I want the presence of God. I, you know, I, even in our own church, like I want that. I'm not, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking for everyone to be buddy, buddy. I firmly believe that when people say, I want a leader, I want a pastor who's down to earth, just like me, one of the guys, I believe they believe that, but I don't believe that's actually what they mean. Yep. I believe that the people in the church really do want my marriage to be a great marriage, maybe a little bit better than their marriage, something that they can aspire to, something they could say, hey, could you help my marriage because your marriage is a little bit better. I really believe people want their pastor to be spending a little more time with God than they are so because there's something they can aspire to, something, hey, you can help me. And I think a few years into pastoring, what I realized is, yeah, it can be effective one time in a sermon to say, man, my marriage struggles just like yours. Yep. Me and my wife fight just like you. And you may cash that in very short term. People go, oh, I love that my pastor's so relatable. What I found was when they start having marriage trouble, they don't want to talk to me because I just told them my marriage is no better than yours. Yep. And when... We, we had, you know, I wrote about it in the book, Toxic Soul, but we had a, a pretty large turnover in our church and I didn't realize it at the time. And you've shared similar stories with me. I didn't realize it at the time, but when I looked back later, the common denominator in so many of the people who left our church was, it was the people that I had kind of brought behind the curtain, the people that I had gotten too familiar with, uh, their way towards me and me towards them the group texts, the jokes, the, the gifs, the, or the gifts, however you say that, the, you know, the vacations, the trips, you know, that you never know if there's honor until you have to have that hard conversation yep. until you have to ask them to do something they don't want to do. Hey, I need you to be here an hour early. I need you to stay an hour late. I need you to show up. And when you have torn down all the barriers of respect and honor and all that stuff, and you say, hey, as the pastor, this is what I need. That's when you see the offense. 
that's when you see, you know, the, the disrespect or, or, or just the general lack of, of following. And, you know, you asked, you, you asked me recently, you know, when you think back on some of the people who have left your church, um, you know, the ones that hurt and things like that. And I said to you, and I mean this, I, they hurt like crazy, but honestly now five, six, seven, eight years later, I kind of don't even blame those people because I did them a disservice when I stopped acting like their pastor and yep. start started acting like their peer. Yep. And I honestly, I couldn't concur more. Angel and I have talked. Uh, and, and again, we've not mastered it now. I'm 46. We've not mastered it by any means. But when I look back in some of my earlier years, my 20s, even into my 30s, I don't blame some people. I actually feel the opposite now. I'm so thankful that that there's some families that stayed. There's 15 or 20 families that have stayed from the start. And, you know, sometimes I tell Angel, like, I'm blown away those people <laughs> stayed. Uh, because there's seasons of my life I wouldn't have wanted my own self as my pastor. Like, when I look back, I wouldn't have wanted Micah to be my pastor. And And it's so easy for those things, you know, to happen. I remember reading John Maxwell saying that, of all the things a leader should fear, complacency heads the list. And and again, we when we become complacent, whether or not it's spiritually or with our staff and teams or our family, it's just not a good thing. And so I, you know, when people say, Micah, when you talk about honor, you know, are you anti-transparency? Are you anti, you know, no, I'm not actually. I'm not, I'm not against those things. You know, I can sit with some of our location pastors are, and I can tell them, you know, I went through this or I've struggled with this. And I think there's times for transparency. What, what I'm saying is there's just a line that you cross, uh, where, where you are going to lose your authority in people's lives. And excuse me. And I, and I think it, again, it goes both ways. You know, I, I, I have some voices in my life that I absolutely love. And I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose how I view those voices. I would say it this way: even you know, you, you can you someone can be your peer, or you can be their pastor. But it's almost impossible to have both. Yep. And so you know, obviously, you're a voice in my life and a and a kind of a, a leader for me and things like that. But but there's also kind of a peer relationship. And that, and you know, we've taken trips together. I could list four or five other pastors. You could list four or five other pastors. And they are peers in your life. You're never going to have to play the I'm leading you card. It's yep. it's peers. But when I treat the people on my team or in my church like a peer, there will come a point where I'll need to be the pastor. And I cashed that in. I lost that. I, I also think... And I, a- and I always say this too, Jay. You don't know someone until you tell them no. I've said it for years. You don't K-N-O-W. You don't know someone until you tell them no, N-O. And so when you're having all those trips and fun and, you know, I've, I've been down this road, there's not a lot of no's, but as our church began to grow and I'm making changes and the people that I had built, you know, probably these unhealthy relationships with the moment I started having to tell them no and no, uh, you know, we, we had just different times, mass exodus as a people and you know, they just didn't understand. Like, this is the guy I golfed with. This is the guy I cruised with. This is, you know, and some have come back, you know, and, and we've talked through it. We've had tears. You know, I've told them, like, I will be a better pastor. Now, I don't put this all on the people. I will be a better pastor yeah, to you, absolutely. to your marriage, to your kids. Like, I give you my word. 
uh, because they need a pastor. Probably didn't realize it in my early years. They need a pastor. Um, and then I think in return for them, I've had some of them weep. Some of them have wanted to apologize to our staff, our teams. I, you know, I think of one lady in particular, she's probably apologized 10 times and said, if I could do it over again, I would have never let myself, you know, that guard coming down that, you know, my husband and I, they have kids. And, and so, you know, my, my encouragement to people listening today is just like, don't, don't tune it out too quickly. There is a timeline. There is a timeline to this happening. No one wakes up in the morning like, oh, I want to be familiar today. <laughs> and I, I think wrong relationships can come out of familiarity. Uh, when I, when I meet with couples, even affairs and stuff, I'll meet with couples and they think they're the only one. But if I've heard it once, I honestly think I've heard it in the hundreds of times where people will start saying a laugh, a joke. They brought me a cup of uh, coffee or, you know, a, a gift or, you know, they, you know, they said, Hey, nice shirt or nice hair. Wow. You look like you're losing weight or a compliment or an affirmation or it's almost like every single couple I sit with, uh, they're going to tell me the same scenarios, how the affair happened, how the wrong relationship happened. They let the guard down. They just got, they got too familiar. And I know those types of scenarios are the extreme, but I think if, if we look at issues we have in our life, so many times it's birthed out of not keeping proper boundaries and not having any guardrails and we just become common. And I, you know, when I first started traveling when I first started traveling years ago, 20-some years ago now, I think it was 1993, but I used to have a message that I would preach called the cost of complacency, and I preached it all over. I didn't really have very many messages, but uh, I preached it all over, and it, it was just about the story of Yuza, how the ark of God was put in his family's home, and he touched the ark 20 years later, so it's not like it was the next day. He didn't, you know, it's 20 years later, and so I, I would always say there's a timeline to the touch. You know, you... You read the story, you know, they're transporting the ark of God. It begins to shake. Yuza reaches out, touches the ark, falls over dead. And you're like, that's unfair. Right. Like, th that's not right. What kind of God does that? But there's a timeline to the touch. It, it didn't happen in a day or a week or a month. It was 20 years. And so I think if you look at marriages that fall apart, if you look at pastor team, staff, you know, uh, dysfunction and, and even sometimes division, if you look at all of those things, there was a timeline to the touch that it started happening. And before before you realize it, the frequency, uh, the routine, um, you, 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 you realize all of a sudden, like, I cannot believe I let this happen. And so while I reach out and touch the ark, you know, at the threshing floor, really my reach has been happening for a long time. Like you just see this reach, but I've been reaching for you know, for him years. And so I would just encourage, I would encourage people to be careful of the timeline. You know, the, the, the initial part of the timeline doesn't seem like a big deal. We're having fun. We're joking. We're, you know, we're confessing. We're, you know, I, I always remember people saying, if you're going to vent, vent up. Familiarity will always vent side to side. And it's not a wise thing. You know, I, I think we should be venting up. I, you know, I just want to encourage people, don't maybe go down the road I went down and lose your voice with certain people because you just became too common. Especially the young church planners, not even young, just church planners. Yep. You know, early on in the process, you're trying to convince everybody to lock arms with you. And I know you could share story after story. I could share story after story of the guy or the girl who says, we planted this church. 
you know, with our best friends. We hired our best friend. We had these people. And I, for years at conferences and books, I would hear people say, you know, you will grow to the level of pain that you can endure. And in my experience and in the experiences of the people I've talked to, that pain is almost always related to the people that were, that you're the closest to yep. leaving or walking away. And you go, wow, do I really want to grow a church? Because honestly, like 100 people, you know, and, and your buddies, like it's not that bad. But when you decide I want to grow, I want to break some barriers, I want to hire some staff, whatever it is it's hard conversations. It's saying no to some things. It's asking people to go above and beyond. And that is when you realize, oh man, I, I tore down the boundary a long time ago. I tore down, I, I, I tore down the fence a long time ago. And it's that painful process that says, man, I started this church with my best friend, but like, they're not with us anymore because I didn't, I didn't act like the pastor. Yep. I didn't act like the leader. I let the guard down. And so, you know, honor's making a comeback, which is a good thing. Yep. Um, and and as, as just a, a new generation of leaders come up and, and, and guys like yourself and, and myself, a little bit younger, kind of in that middle, middle ground, it's like you're never going to go wrong with honor. You're never going to go wrong with respect. And I think if I, that's probably what I would say if somebody asked me to put it in like a sentence. I would say I, I, I went from like, wanting people to like me to wanting people to respect me. I think early on in ministry, it was like, man, I just want everybody to like me. I love Pastor Jay. I love Jason. I love Jay Bird. Oh, everybody likes me. Now, 11 years later, it's like, I want you to respect me. Mm-hmm. I want you to want to follow me. I want you to want me to speak into your life. When you're going through your toughest moments, I want you to want me to walk through those doors, to show up. When your parents are passing away, like, you call me because Pastor Jason needs to be there. And I just got tired of people like leaving my church to go to the church down the street because the pastor over there was a little bit older, a little bit more gray hair, and didn't want to be their buddy. He wanted to be their pastor. I said, you know what? I want to do that. Um, and just, you know, you you had a lot to do with that with me. I'm so glad we captured this conversation because it was a game changer for me just to honor you. Like you you have spoken into my life and, and, and had – tough and challenging conversations with me to help me lead my team and lead my church and, and kind of get out in front of the people. And so I really appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you. You know, I, can I just say, Jay, to the, to the listeners today, I want friendships. I'm not saying you got to build a bunch of walls and barriers and be a lone ranger and isolated. And that's not what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I've been on trips with my pastor. Uh, you know, I love being in rooms with preachers and stuff. I, so you know, I'm not saying that. I golf with guys. You know, I, I love it. You know, we'll go out, you know, six, eight, ten groups, even just the other night, you know, in two-man scrambles and people cheering and yelling around the course. And, like, I, I love those moments. I, lo- I love hunting and fishing. I'm a big sports guy. Like, I love those things. All I'm asking people to do today is not to excuse familiarity. Don't excuse dishonor like don't don't allow yourself to start when when i said earlier letting the guard down just don't do that you know you and i have crews together we have vacation together i i don't i don't ever i wouldn't want to do it to you 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 know you're a pastor i'm I'm believing your church is growing in new locations and when i go there and talk to your team i don't want you thinking 
don't want you thinking Mike is different on the cruise yeah. than he is talking to my team. I would never want you thinking that. And so when you begin to excuse it and people start saying, you know, the, you know, the big motto of, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I've heard a lot of people say that, like, you know, what happens on this pastor's getaway or what happens at this place or what, again, I, you know, I've, I've had seasons in my life where I don't think behind the scenes maybe matched up to the stage. And, and I've also had seasons in my life where, it, you know, what happened behind the scenes did match the stage. And I know the difference. Um, and I, you know, I, I would really want to challenge people today. Don't live a life of dishonor. Don't live a life of familiarity. Don't let things become common. I've done that. I've done that. I, I let my guard down, got too close, you know, to people and went through a season where I didn't even really have a pastor in my life. And, and now I see the other side of that. So just want to challenge people today, have relationships, have friendships, have fun but just be really guarded you don't cross the line.